0: lessons um, from, from Christmas, and so we're going to look at another Christmas uh, message this morning. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 1. Last week we spent some time on Mary, and so in uh, Matthew chapter 1, we're going to look and hear a little bit about Joseph, and Joseph's kind of the, what I call the unsung hero of the Christmas story, or Joseph uh, is the forgotten man of Christmas. That's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. You know, when we really think about the Christmas story and we think about the parents of Joseph, most of the time there's a lot of emphasis, and I think it's important, and it's definitely worthy, is on uh, Mary. But um, a lot of times Joseph's kind of the guy that's just kind of forgotten, that you don't really hear a whole lot about Joseph. And so we're going to kind of look at him in his example this morning. So Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. We're going to look at the forgotten man of Christmas. Look at the, the scripture. It says, says, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married or betrothed, is another word, to Joseph. Um, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son. And you, notice the responsibility was on Joseph, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the Bible says he's quoting Isaiah. Listen to what the angel says. He says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. And she'll give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And notice what he does. At the birth of Jesus, he names him and gives him the name Jesus, Yeshua, Yeshua or Savior, Savior of the world. Amen. We're going to look at the forgotten man of Christmas this morning, but would you pray with me? Lord, I pray that you would bless your word this morning. I pray that you would help my voice and just give it strength, Lord, one more time, uh, just for today, Lord, to get through. I pray that you would just help us, Lord, to focus our attention, Lord, on the true meaning of Christmas once again. Lord, it is a struggle, Lord, in the day and age that we live to not allow ourselves to get distracted by all the other things that take place at Christmas, things that are are fine and good, but oftentimes we often get distracted. So, Lord, I pray that you would please bless, Lord, our time as we we look at the, the birth, Lord, of you, our Savior, the Savior of the world. But, Lord, how you used some amazing people, Lord, in, in Scripture, how you, you took just ordinary people and used them in extraordinary ways. And so, Lord, I pray that, that we could be these type of people. Lord, that, that you seek to use us in, 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 in amazing ways, just like you used a Mary and you used a Joseph, you could use us as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. When we do think about the Christmas story, I do, I do think about this, that God uses little people, God uses little places, God uses little things in extraordinary ways. When you think about the little town of Bethlehem, we sing it in that song, just the little town of Bethlehem. When you think about, uh, he used a, you know, um, a little manger to do extraordinary things. When you think about the type of people that God uses... You know, he uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And when we look at the the story of the birth of our Savior, we have to pause for a moment and think about this. Is that God is going to send his son to the world and he is going to entrust his son to two people who are going to be the ones to to nurture and to raise this, this, this child who will grow into a man. Of all the people that God chose, He chose Mary and He chose Joseph. And so I want you to take just a, a few moments today and I want you to think about when the angel came to Mary, he says to Mary, you, Mary, are highly favored. He says you're highly favored by God. And then when we look at this account of how the angel comes in through this dream and through this vision to speak to Joseph, we're going to see that that, that truly God hand-picked Joseph. It's, it's a humbling thing. You know, we've had the privilege to adopt. And you know, in both cases, we knew and got to know the parents. And it is a humbling thing when someone says to you, we believe or I believe that you are the, the best choice to raise and to nurture and to take care of this child that that we, we maybe cannot do, but we are going to entrust this to someone else. Can you just think about this for a moment? For me and for my wife and for our family, can I just say something? That was humbling. It was humbling that in all of the millions of people that live in the United States that, that someone said that we are entrusting you. We're giving you the most precious gift that we have. And I'm entrusting you with this. That, that I am going to trust you with this. Could you imagine, parents, just for a moment, some of you who have still younger children. Could you imagine if, if you had to say, I can no longer take care of this child. What if it was this? What if? You are no longer going to be here, and you said, "I have to choose someone who will raise my child and raise them and nurture them and take care of them." Let me ask you, would you not choose carefully? Can I hear you this morning? Would you choose carefully? Would you choose wisely? Would you be very cautious and careful? And wouldn't you use some extreme care in how you chose the one that is going to, to raise your child and to take care of them? Some of you go through that kind of care just for someone to doggy sit for a couple days. You know? You interview and you go through this process. And the point I'm making is this, is that God didn't flippantly choose just randomly just, uh, who is it? No, God, God uh, who, who is sovereign and God who is in control, he chose very specifically and very wisely. And he says through the angel Gabriel, he says, listen, Mary, you're highly favored. And Joseph, you've been chosen for a great mission, a mission to care for the Savior of the world, the Son of God, the Emmanuel, God with us. And what type qualities did they have? We studied Mary a little bit last week. and We won't spend much time on it. But may I remind you, she was a holy woman. We saw her faith and her trust in God. She was a woman who, who was a woman of humility. She called herself a servant, as we read last week. She said, I am the servant of the Lord, the handmaid of the Lord. Whatever your will, your will be done. And she was favored. I would say to you this morning that Joseph, that truly God was looking for a special man. Because this man is going to not only be the earthly father, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, but he will be the provider and the protector until Christ can come of age to care for himself. What type qualities did Joseph have? What do we know about Joseph? You would say that he's an ordinary man. In fact, later in life, when they speak about Jesus, they say, is he not just the, the, the carpenter's son? And we see that that Joseph was a carpenter. He was a hard-working man. He grew up in the, the the village, the town of Nazareth, and Nazareth was what they considered the other side of the tracks. He is not wealthy, he is not rich, he is not a big shot, he's not someone who, who ministered in the temple. Joseph was the guy that came and fixed your fence. Joseph's the guy that came and, and you know, uh, you, something broke and he comes and he fixes it. He's a con- contractor, construction worker, carpenter, works with wood and, and nails and a hammer and a chisel. And Joseph's a guy who has calluses on his hands. And we forget this, but these were two young people. It's hard for our minds to comprehend this. But many scholars believe that Mary could have been somewhere between 15 and 17 years of age and Joseph maybe 18, 19 years of age, somewhere in there. Most likely at least 18 because in the Roman taxation, that's when they would have to then report for the Roman taxation in the census. And so he's 18, 19 years old, pretty young guy. And some of you are saying, I don't even trust my dog with my 18 or 19 year old. I don't trust the cat with my fifteen or sixteen-year-old. You don't need to trust your cat with anybody, by the way. Cats are—they're just cats. They don't need you, right? They only need you like once a month when they show up and they want some attention, and then they disappear again. I know some people like that too, by the way. <laughs> they're all from California. Oh wait, no, never mind. <laughs> See, I knew I'd find a way to get it in there. And so these are young, young people that have tremendous qualities. And so what qualities did this young, you know, carpenter that, yes, he's a hard worker. I would say he's not one that's lazy. And yes, we see that this guy, uh, you know, worked a job and he, he provided but he's young. In fact, in the, the, the way the culture was, they're betrothed. It's, in essence, they're married. They're engaged to be married. The covenants have been made. The commitments have ma- been made, but he's not really yet financially really ready yet, and things weren't just set yet for him to, to come together in true marriage and for the marriage to be consummated, yet ahead of their own plans, God has another plan and we see that now Mary is pregnant. And so the Bible tells us that, I would say this to Joseph, one of his qualities is he's a holy man. He, he's abstaining from relations uh, with even the one he's engaged to. And even after he finds out that she's pregnant, he waits until after the birth of the Savior. He's a holy man. He's a man who has self-discipline and he has self-control, which is so lacking in our culture today. Which is so lacking in our culture today. Here's a teenage guy with a lot of self-control. Come on now. But I want you to notice some things the Bible says about him. It says that he was a righteous man In the Old English, it'll say this, that Joseph was a just man in verse 18, or he was a righteous man. This word is interesting. It means this. It means righteous in character. It's a dual word. It means righteous in character and righteous in actions. He was righteous in character. And let me just say this. The idea is this, is your character is who you are when no one else is watching. When no one else is looking and when no one else is watching, that's who you really are. And the Bible says something interesting about Joseph. It says that Joseph was a just man or a righteous man. He was righteous in character. And so... We see that this is, the idea is this, that Joseph was a man that when people were watching, yes, he he did right and he lived right. But even when people were not watching, he still lived right and did right. When he was out on the job and and he's doing his work, he makes sure that he works hard and he doesn't cut any corners. He didn't thin the paint down, you know. He, he gave them what they were paying for. And, and, you know, I'm sure you may not believe this, but, you know, God was watching the projects that Joseph was doing and he was making sure that Joseph wasn't cheating, wasn't cheating his customers. You say, is that important to God? Hey, Christians, it is important to God. Didn't cheat on his assignments and didn't cheat on his tests and he didn't cheat, didn't cheat his customers, and he was righteous in, in his character. And when no one else was watching, Joseph was the guy that was still doing right. And this righteous in character, but also righteous in actions. You see, He was righteous in who he was. doesn't mean he was sinless or he was perfect, but we see here that he was a just man. He truly strived to live a righteous life. And so he was righteous or just in his character. And that's who he was. And by the way, who we really are eventually comes out. And so the Bible says that this word also means righteous in actions. Righteous in actions. And by the way, what's on the inside eventually will come out. Amen, church? The things that are going on in how we live our lives... You know, many times we think that it's always in secret and that no one else will see and no one else will know. But what's done in secret will eventually be revealed in the public. And so I love this. It says that Joseph was a just man, a righteous man in his character, and his actions. And when God was looking down from heaven, he says, I need to entrust my one and only son to someone here on earth who's going to care for him and nurture him and watch over him. And someone who's going to be a godly example, he says, I choose Joseph, a man who has no experience as a father, a man who, who, who is young. And I love what Paul says to Timothy, don't let any man despise your youth. Amen. Just because you're young does not mean that you cannot live a life that is pleasing to God. No man despises your youth. You know, a lot of times people have this idea that because someone is young that they don't have the ability to, ha- to demonstrate maturity. Can I tell you something? Joseph was young, but Joseph demonstrated maturity. I started pastoring my first church when I barely turned 24 years of age. Can you believe that? I was a 24-year-old pastor And one of my favorite passages in the Bible was Timothy where it says, let no man despise your youth. Amen? Let no man despise your youth. I use that scripture a lot. I had people in our church who'd say, well, older is wiser. I said, no, wiser is wiser. I've known some old fools. How about you? (laughs) Older is not always wiser. Do I believe that... That there is some wisdom in years? Absolutely. Many times because they've learned how not to do it, right? The hard way. The hard way. <laughs> but older is not always wiser. Wiser is wiser. And, and so... Here's Joseph, one who you would maybe say, well, he's so young and he's inexperienced and he's never been a parent before. And yet God chose him. God does choose. I love this. But God chooses the ordinary things and ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And so he uses Joseph. Another quality about Joseph, this one I just I love it's found in verse 19, where there in 19, the second part of verse 19, where it talks about the fact that we don't know what it looked like or how it came about, but we know this is that Mary and Joseph had a conversation, and Mary comes to Joseph and tells Joseph, I'm pregnant. And Joseph knows it's not my baby. And then let's just be honest. We forget that these people are human, okay? Joseph is just as human as you and I. Mary is just as human. These are not superhumans. They're just like you and I. They're ordinary people that God chose to use in extraordinary ways. And when Joseph finds out, can you imagine what this conversation must have been like? When she says, I'm pregnant, he's like, huh? It wasn't me. Can you imagine what this conversation looked like? And then Mary's gonna pull out the biggest whopper of a lie you've ever heard. Come on now. Well, you know that the Messiah's coming and the promised Messiah? I'm gonna be the mother of the Messiah. And Joseph's like, I'm married an insane woman. I'm marrying an insane woman. This is impossible. Come on now, right? Talk about not only is Mary, not only did Mary get pregnant out of wedlock and broke our vows. Can you imagine how devastating this was for Joseph? Not only that, listen to me, she's lying about it. And not only is she lying about it, the lie she's telling is that she's going to be the Carrying the Messiah. She must have told him. She had to have tried to explain to him. And Joseph now is just. His world is turned upside down. You say well now it didn't go like that. Oh it did go like that. We can't even comprehend. What he must have been going through. That the woman that he's engaged to be married to. That he's planned his entire future with. This That she's now pregnant, and not only is she pregnant, she's lying about it all. And before Joseph knows the truth of the matter, notice how he responds. Joseph says that he's going to quietly, discreetly, if you will, break the engagement. It says, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, he was a righteous man. Notice this, did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. You say, well, what does that mean? Think about the character of Joseph. Think about this. Joseph was an extremely kind and merciful and gracious man. How would you have responded? I know what a lot of you would have done. It would have been Facebook. (laughs) Come on now. Graham. It's going on the Graham. Come on now. It would have been all these little subtle posts too. You know, like, you know, like, why is there just no men, or no, I'm sorry, why are there just no women who are faithful? And, you know, all this little secret, little discreet, but really out there. You guys know exactly what I'm talking about, right? It would have been all over the place. It would have, listen to me, Joseph could have ruined her life. Joseph literally could have ruined her life. Some scholars say potentially. They weren't, Consummated in marriage yet so she would not have been technically stoned but I'm talking on the brink of that her life he could have ruined her life and by the way there would have been a lot of men there would have been a lot of men who would say you know what she deserves it she deserves it and what we see is this is that Joseph does not respond spitefully He does not respond with with this idea of, "I'm I'm going to just ruin her. I'm going to crush her. You hurt me, and so now I'm going to hurt you. Joseph responds because he is a kind and loving man. It goes back to his character, that he was a just man, that he was a righteous man in character and a righteous man in actions. And even though he was deeply hurt by her, and even though he had every right to go out and to literally just say, you know what? Look what kind of person Mary is. And he could have just publicly shamed her and he could have just ruined her. What does he do? He responds in kindness. Man, we need some more Josephs in our country today, don't we? We need some more Josephs in our churches. We need some more Josephs in our culture. Well, I'm going to show them. Will you hurt me? And we know the old saying, hurt people hurt people. Will you hurt me? So I'm going to hurt you. Wow. Joseph, when he was hurt deeply and had every opportunity, what does he do in his own spirit? He says, you know what? No. No, I'm not gonna hurt her. I'm gonna, I wanna be as discreetly as I can. Think about this. He's still choosing to love Mary. He's still choosing to respond and demonstrate love. What, what a what a guy. Joseph is the kind of guy. You know, you want your daughter to marry, right? This is the kind of guy. He's a loving man. He's knowledgeable about scripture because as soon as the angel comes and the angel says and quotes scripture, I'm assuming that Joseph already heard from Mary. Don't you think? How many of you, let's take a vote. How many think Mary probably did say, I'm, you know, this is going to be the Messiah? And I'm sure he's like, wow, wing dinger, whoa. Talk about lies. This is the mother of all lies. And then the angel appears. And the angel brings confirmation. And by the way, it was interesting when the angel shows up. It's when he's going through this. He's in this dilemma and he's battling. But it's interesting. It's after we hear that Joseph already decided to do the right thing in a way that would be kind and gracious but the angel comes and he quotes scripture he quotes Isaiah seven fourteen, which I'm sure Joseph knew and knew very well that this is going to be the fulfillment this is going to be the fulfillment of the coming of the Messiah so jo- Joseph a godly man Joseph a uh, a hardworking man, Joseph, a just man, a kind man, a loving man. But really one of the greatest attributes that he had was this, is that Joseph, I want you to notice, was an obedient man. Because the angel of the Lord appears to him and he says, It's okay, Joseph. Chill. It's okay. What she's telling you is true. And he tells and gives him some instruction. He says, Take Mary to be your wife. And then he says this, when the child is born, you shall name him Jesus. And so we know how the story goes. That about nine months later, that uh, obviously he marries immediately marries her. And then he takes on, by the way, in this obedience, he takes on any shame or any accusations. Because like everyone, people are already going, well, wait a second. They, this is a quick marriage. Now, wait a second. Not only is it a quick marriage, but wait, wait a second here, you know. She's a child. Now, now wait, you know, and they're all doing the little counting. How, you know what I'm talking about, right? Do you guys think that people weren't like this back then? Oh, yeah, they were like this back then. They're just like people today. And so Joseph in obedience takes Mary as his wife. Not only is he taking Mary as his wife, think about this. Think about this. He's now taking on a huge responsibility. I don't know about you guys, but how many of you, when you had your first child, you had this kind of like aha moment in life, like, oh, boy, it's time to really grow up. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Some of you, you haven't done that yet? You need to, OK? <laughs> you need to. Maybe that explains why we're oh, This explains a lot, right? Man, when you, when, it's, when you get married, you're like huge responsibility. And it's like, oh, and it's kind of terror. Terror comes upon you. But when you become a parent, all of a sudden you go, I am now responsible for this little human being. I am responsible for this, this soul. And all of a sudden, like, it just hits you like, wow, now I really got to step it up. Am I right? Is this true? Okay. Not only is Joseph doing that, but now think about this. He is going to be the really, truly the adoptive, if you will, father of the Son of God. And he knows that God Himself is watching his every move. Joseph, man, this guy, this guy, I'm telling you, this guy is legit. I love this guy because he's obedient. And he's willing to take on the responsibility. Man, I could just preach here a little bit. Boy, can I just preach here a little bit. It's about time men start being willing to take on responsibility. Taking on the responsibility of their homes and of their marriages. And take on the responsibility of raising their kids. Come on now. Somebody say amen. Boy, we need some men like Joseph who will take on responsibility, who won't run from it and shirk from it and hide from it. But no, take on this responsibility to be the spiritual leader, to be the man that God has called him to be. And he doesn't run from responsibility. He he goes to Mary and he takes her as his wife. And not only that, he says, I will be the father of the son of God and I will take on this responsibility and I will do the best that I can with it. Oh, God, help us to have some men who, have, who will be involved in their children's lives and be involved in, in the lives of their homes and their families and take on this responsibility and, and face it head on and not run from it, not hide from it. And he calls his name Jesus, obedience. The angel says, take Mary as his wife, He takes Mary as his wife in obedience. He says, call his name Jesus. Call him Yeshua, the Savior of the world. And at the time of naming Jesus, and when he dedicates Jesus, he names him Jesus. He demonstrates obedience. And one more passage, and we're finished. Matthew chapter 2. I want you to see his obedience in Matthew 2, verse 13. It says, and after the wise men were gone... You know the story of the wise men that came? It says that the angel Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up and flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. And they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Herod, Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. And he sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under. Based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for they are dead. And when Herod died, the angel Lord, notice this again, appears to him in a dream, to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said take the child and his mother and go back to the land of Israel because those who are trying to, to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and he returned to the land of, uh, of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, Ar- Archelaus, he was, he was afraid to go there. And then, notice this once again, after being warned in a dream, he left For the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophet had said he will be called a Nazarene. We see here that Joseph demonstrates obedience, I mean, immediate obedience. When the angel Lord appears to Joseph the first time in his dream, he says, take Mary to be your wife. And he takes Mary to be his wife. He says, name the child Jesus. He names him Jesus. About two years later, they get a visit. And I know this ruins, this is a whole other message, just ruins the whole nativity scene. But about two years later, the magi, the wise men, they come to the city of Bethlehem. Because this is where Joseph and Mary settled. And by the way, all of this is to fulfill, as you see, to fulfill the Scriptures. God is always at, move, at work. God is sovereign. God is in control. But we see that the wise men come and they, they bring gifts. And they come and they worship Him. And this is a whole other message. But those gifts that they brought, I would say to you, was God's provision way in advance. Because that is what they probably used as financial means to sustain them when they were in the land of Egypt as refugees. And we don't see it like this, but Jesus grew up as a refugee. He lived for a number of years in a foreign land, in a foreign culture, and they had literally had to run for their lives. But the angel warns Joseph after the Magi leave, The angel warns Joseph, it says, that he had a dream. And in this dream, it warned him that he needed to take Jesus and Mary and to leave and to go into Egypt, to leave quickly, to run, to be a refugee. And this is what is amazing to me, and that is this, is that Joseph, it says that when do you usually dream? Typically, night. When does the Bible say that Joseph got up? In the middle of the night. He was warned in a dream, and Joseph does not delay. I'm telling you something. There's a reason why God chose Joseph. Of all the men on planet Earth, he chose Joseph because he knew this, that if I give Joseph a a command, Joseph's going to obey it immediately. If I ask him to do it, he will do it. This was already a part of his character and who he was. And so he's warned in a dream. He doesn't put it off. He doesn't say, well, you know, let's get a good night's sleep and we'll get up and we'll try to sell all our possessions. You know, you know what? We're going to have a yard sale first. We're going to downsize. So we can go. You know, we got to kind of plan the trip. No. Are you guys listening? Joseph immediately Immediately, immediately, right away, immediately, takes his wife, takes, jo- uh, takes, he's a t- toddler, takes Jesus, loads them up, and he leaves. No questions asked. He's, o- he's obedient. He does what he's told, and he goes into the land of Egypt. I do believe that those gifts were provisioned so they could take care of the family. Maybe Joseph because of his occupation, because of what God chose in Joseph, he can get a job almost anywhere. And God was wise in choosing a carpenter who could pick up work anywhere. Even if he doesn't know the language, he can still work with his hands. And so he provides. he is the provider and the protector of the Emmanuel, God with us, And there he has another dream. And there in the dream, the angel of the Lord says, you can go back. It's safe. And so he comes back into the land of Israel. And as he comes back in the land of Israel, in and around, and near the Bethlehem, Jerusalem, Judea area, he warned again. And even in his own discernment, he says, ah, this is the son of the guy that wanted him dead. And so the Bible says to fulfill the prophecies, he goes back to where he started, back to Nazareth. But what we see is this, is that Joseph, Joseph, the unsung hero of Christmas, Joseph, the forgotten man of Christmas, if there was probably one of the greatest qualities about Joseph is this, is that we should strive to have the same quality as he was obedient to the Lord. Amen? He was obedient to the Lord. Are we obedient to what God asks us to do? When we know it's something God wants us to do or it's something we know God does not want us to do, are we obedient? Are we a Joseph? Boy, we could use some more Josephs today. Amen? We could use some more Marys today. Amen? May these examples, may the Christmas story be examples of how God can use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. God can use you and desires to use you. He desires to use me. God, he uses just ordinary people to do extraordinary things. But he does look for certain qualities. Amen? Mary, boy, she remember her faith and her trust. Oh, may we trust him. May we believe him and trust him, but may we also walk in obedience. Let's stand and have a word of prayer today.